We all have moments where we feel insecure. Without awareness, those moments of insecurity shape so much of our lives. Hi, I'm Chris McAllister, and I founded SightShift to help people like you and me, leaders and coaches, use the moments they feel insecure to transform their identity, their teams, and their culture. Listen in as I interview people around what it means to be the kind of leader who uses these moments to transform themselves. Welcome, everyone. So glad you're here. Today is so fun. I have this is too easy to rhyme. Jake Klaus in the house. That's in that hit house. me as I was doing it. <laughs> glad to have you. <laughs> when you got a layup, you got to take it. Oh, yeah, that's it. Especially like, you know, dad humor. I got teenage daughters, dude. I got to take all of those, all of those when they're there. They expect it. It fulfills the role. Well, what a what a fun time. I'm so excited about today because it really represents kind of like a new chapter. Um, we haven't even started releasing some of these episodes we're doing with these interviews as we're reformatting the podcast. But as I was coming downstairs today to hit record with you in this session, I, I don't even know if you remember, dude, I had you on the podcast six years ago. Six? 2017, right? Wow. So wow. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Yeah, six years, man. Wild. That is wild. It's been, that means that it's been six years that I've been working and doing all this. <laughs> Whoa. I thought it was like man. five. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know how months and, yeah, maybe it was more like five, five and a half, but you take it back to that, you know, that time frame five or six years ago. We're sitting in a park. Uh, you were going through our, our key program. We're chatting through it. And dude, just to see the way that you have lived your truth, pursued this authentic mission, made choices, um, really, really inspiring. And so, so pumped today to be with you. Hey, right now, let's get in, like, as they say in the storytelling world, in media res, in the middle of the action. Where do you feel right now that you've got some momentum and you're just really excited and, and juiced about something? In a lot of places, um, the business is having its best year that it's ever had um, by like Congrats. all standards and accounts, which is awesome. Um, but like the most exciting momentum that I feel is every day uh, on social media, in my inbox, there are people talking about and sharing my work and often they're complete strangers to me at least the time they share and then I try to reach out and get to know them a little bit more but it's incredible that it's reaching people that I have no idea who they are how they found it and they love it and that's I feel like that's what we get into this for and um, you know like I said the velocity of that is increasing and to me that's a really good sign because a lot of times as my friend uh, Dan Bennett would say uh, it can feel like you're walking through the mud with this mm. creative work. Mm. And when you start to hear other people talking about what you're doing and it feels more like a pull than a push, that is really, really exciting. Dude, yeah. I, I think we have to learn uh, creatively as entrepreneurs to get as much fuel as we can out of those seasons and those encouragements because it, it increases our capacity, it sustains us. Uh, and so you get a little juice out of something or a lot of juice out of it. It means the world. That's awesome. Do you have any meanies or haters? Not, I hope not. Not a lot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's less Good. haters and more just like, 
drive-by weird comments that don't seem very contextual that just don't that just don't make sense uh <laughs> <laughs> I try to starve that, and if there were haters, I try to just starve that of oxygen, yeah. and you know, not really engage because what I find out doing a lot of community work is people like our puppy uh, really <laughs> respond to positive reinforcement, depending on yeah. you know what positive means to them, and so attention is positive reinforcement, and you remove that, and the behavior goes away, and that's great, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Okay. So I'll confess a weak moment I had here. Um, somebody gave one of my rev- books one of the nastiest reviews, and they tried to be like, "This guy's like a fifth grade knockoff of some thought leader out there." And this book actually came out before that thought leader was known. Oh wow! And Jay, I had the most thoughtful, logical, <laughs> relational slam dunk reply. And uh, one of our team was like, dude, do not post that. Do not do that. And my wife was, do not. I was like, okay, yeah. So starve it of oxygen. Right on, man. Right on. Um, Where right now do you feel like uh, with the business, with just your own personal leadership or growth that you're like, oh, here's something I really wish I could improve. I'm trying to get better here. I spent some time this weekend thinking about um, a little bit longer term thinking and planning as it relates to my work, because, you know, I'm a creator. And so I live in this world where it's very constant, short form, you know, just push stuff out constantly and get the dopamine hits and get the engagement. And that's the path to success that we see because we're modeling after people who have built the machines that are their business over a period of usually much longer than we have. And now they have the resources and the capacity to, turn up the content machine and and go on all those channels but the earlier creators are people who are just not to that level yet including me try to model off after that anyway because that's what we think we need to do and i tried to step back this weekend and and ask myself but what what is the point what is all this adding up to because there is this just bleh, this malaise that i feel when i'm creating a tweet or a LinkedIn post or a TikTok video that I know may do absolutely nothing, may do really well, but will certainly be, you know, lost of the ether a month from now. And to me, that's just like such a bummer to have Mm -hmm. so much of my work in that form, have that type of life cycle. So I started to think, okay, so what, what is my longer term plan of what I want my body of work to look like beyond me when I'm gone? You know, what, what could, the legacy of my work be when I don't need to be here tweeting stuff about it for it to be uh, appreciated and shared and seen. And how does the work that I'm doing today, even if they are tweets, add up to that future? And so that's the that's what I'm trying to think forward on a little bit more and be willing to opt out of certain games that people play and decide, you know, intentionally what game am I playing? And if that doesn't include tweeting three times a day and posting on LinkedIn twice a day, that's okay. That's a game that I've opted out of and I'll change my models on the backside of that because if you don't change your models and you're you know, inevitably, inevitably going to compare yourself to other creators, I want to at least compare myself to creators who are playing the same game. Yeah, 
That's inspiring. I, you know, you've not, I feel like in a great way, stopped wrestling with the bigger questions. And um, I love just getting into it. And now I can m- give the backstory, right? Because people are listening to you and they're like, okay, this guy is is doing something. He's impacting people. So uh, yeah, you were in the startup space and just give us, you know, like a three minute bio of I'm in the startup space. Here's something that started to change for me. And here's the bet I took on myself. Yeah. So when we started working together, I was just beyond the sale of the company I helped co-found. And I was working full time for another venture backed startup here in town. And so I was already wrestling with some identity issues of this thing that I really identified with and seemed to give me worth in the eyes of other people is no longer here. And I wasn't ready or willing to just start another startup company myself for the sake of doing it. So what are my options? Basically, you know, you you need to take a role somewhere at some level and it's not going to be founder and CEO. (laughs) That's what I decided. So (laughs) that was challenging for my ego, frankly. Um, And I took a job, took a role, was learning in it, uh, was enjoying it to some degree. It was nice that um, my income didn't have to feel so hard or so tied to the results of the business. But uh, I just didn't feel like I was in the right place doing the right things. Um, the, the best way I can articulate it, if anyone's read The Artist's Way by uh, Julie Cameron, I had like this shadow artist that I was really starting to tune into and feel but I didn't quite understand it. I was I was really looking at and uh, appreciating the work of other artists and creators and kind of aspiring to their lifestyle, but I didn't know what that could look like for me. And so I just kind of felt stuck. And that's mm-hmm. that's where I was in 2017 when I was, you know, thinking, well, this job isn't something I want to do long term. I don't really want to start another startup company, but uh I got to find something that helps me scratch whatever itch is that I'm feeling here. That's awesome. So for people that are listening to this, if they're at that place and they're wondering, you know, what's in me, what's possible? Do I have what it takes? I think I want to highlight two huge pieces, two words that I think reflect you. And if this, hopefully it doesn't, if it reduces you down or feels like it reduces you down, tell me, I think two words, creativity and community emulate who you are. Um, and, and I saw you have such this natural gift ability, uh, from my apparent viewpoint, and maybe it had been developed, uh, over time because so many times what appears natural, right, is, is <laughs> learned the hard way, but to you have this natural ability to gather people and to make people feel like they belong and they connected. And, and that was a big theme that I saw show up in your world, this ability to, to create community. And then this light bulb that flipped on for you about like, no, I, I am creative. I can be creative. I am a creator. Um, and, and, and now you've like brought those two together, which we'll get to that in a second. Do you feel like those two words are good uh, ways of just highlighting some of the big points of that shift for you? Oh, yeah, totally. I, I always struggled up to that point and still today in some ways struggled with identifying as a creative person because Mm -hmm. I feel systematically we're kind of conditioned to believe that creativity equals, you know, hand-drawn artistry for the most part or like visual, visual artistry. And that wasn't me. 
And now I think of creativity, there's creativity in just about anything you can do. Solving problems inherently is a creative act. And we have so many problem solvers in our society who uh, are unhappy with what they're doing, but feel like they're not creative. They don't have options, but really solving problems is maybe the most purest creative thing that you can do. So yeah. And you know, the, the work I've done with community over the last several years, you know, almost, uh, formalizing or capitalizing on that skill that I had that I didn't necessarily recognize as a skill then, because back in 2016, 2017, we thought of the term community very differently. Now, Mm -hmm. you know, especially post COVID online community is such a bigger conversation and part of the zeitgeist. And I had the skills and experience to, uh, tap into that in a positive way. But at the time, we weren't really talking about that. To me, I was just able to make friends, able to, you know, coordinate events and get togethers and spaces. And most of the work I was doing was in person. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. I love how you bridged the gap there because you had this ability. I, uh, you could see it so clear and then, yeah, you have bridged that gap and it doesn't have to be something that we think is either or, but both in, I have to imagine from interacting with a number of people in the corporate space over the years that they're listening to this and being like, yeah, but I'm not creative. And to hear what Jay's really saying there, like I've seen people be creative wizards with a spreadsheet, uh, you know, and, and so often we want that outlet, right? So there's the guy who's making his own homemade beer, getting into NFTs and is bored out of his mind at his job. Uh, and the homemade brew and the NFTs are part of the stimulation, the excitement. And, uh, and for those that are listening, you can hear Jay's story. There's more, there's something to pay attention to. Yours may show up different, right? Your words that kind of sum up some of these themes may be different. If you were to go back and talk to that part of you in 2017, and 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 again, no regrets, right? We learn from it all. But you were able to say, hey, man, you're going to do this, and, and that's going to be great. Because however you got to that truth, keep doing that and do that again. And, and hey, if you do this differently, you'll have some less pain. What would you encourage yourself to keep doing and what would you maybe speak to yourself and go, let's change this a little? Well, the real unlock was that I started writing regularly in 2017. Mm. Um, mm. Actually challenged myself in a, in a deep Seth Godin phase to write <laughs> every day and ship a, ship something every day, which I did for a year. Uh, that was also a form of punishment to my readers. So I reeled it back to <laughs> weekly. Um, but you know, I would continue to encourage myself like, yeah, creative practice, like write every day. This is good. This is useful. What I didn't do soon enough was think about who that was for. And in the beginning, like, let's be honest, it was for me. It was, it was me finding my way and understanding my own thoughts and thinking through my own experiences. But if I want to turn it into a business and if somebody listening to this wants to have their own, you know, creative business where their work is what's driving the, the, the machine that is, uh, sustaining you financially, that still needs to provide value for someone else in the more mm-hmm. specific that you are early on into who your message is for, the more successful you're going to be more quickly because there are more and more people all the time getting out there and creating work and getting in front of people who might be the same people you're trying to reach. And it's as if we're all, you know, looking around us and there's just all of these lighthouses with their own messages or maybe even, you know, with their own megaphones shouting things out. And the message that you bring to the world that you're trying to help people do uh, is your lighthouse. And you need to be able to shine through all of that other 
brightness, go through all that other noise and have people find you, then the more specific you are, it's more likely they're going to tune into that, that drum beat that you have and say, oh, that's, that's the direction I want to head. And it took me a long time to, to kind of pick a lane, choose a direction, and things were a lot slower than they needed to be because of it. <laughs> Man, so true. I mean, the number of ways that I've wrestled with that over the years and done it well and done it poorly and, and uh, you know, you can't force it, but to not spend diligent time thinking about it, wrestling with it, uh, yeah, seems like a, a waste of at least some mental margin when, yeah, when the totally. moment's there. Um, yeah, I, so I, you actually reminded me of something because I forget some of what I've done, right? And uh, in 2012, I think it was, uh, so I went into this work full-time 2015, but uh, in 2012, I blogged every day for a year. Like I was like, that's what I'm going to do. It was kind of that evolution, right? And uh, those blogs are deleted. They do not live anywhere. <laughs> Got rid of them? <laughs> Got rid of them, man. No. I, I, I really do believe in building in public and and being proud of the work. And But 2015, I, I shifted everything into this focus that we do now, which is on leaders and I think the messaging would have just been so confusing. Um, but it was it was rough, too. <laughs> I see a lot of people struggle with this, and I do, too, because you you have all this progress. You, you go through these different, like, phases and evolutions of yourself and your own work, and then you're, you know, four evolutions down the road, and you even feel like this is, this is it. I'm going the right direction. But you look back at all those evolutions, and you try to make sense of them in the way you explain yourself and your work today. Mm-hmm. And it would be awesome if all of that was aligned and made sense to your customers and the, the reader and the, you know, the end recipient of whatever you're putting together. And it's probably possible with really good copywriting and, and wordsmithing to pull those things together. But a lot of times it's just as effective to leave some of them out of your, your like default story. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, which is so hard to do because you put so much time and effort into that, but it can confuse what you're trying to do now and ultimately not be very helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's just coming up a lot in the, in the community now that I'm working with is people are trying to like draw this straight line from where they've been to where they are today to where they're going and the, where they've been to where they are today to where they're going isn't a straight line. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's, it's difficult to use that as a, a compelling story to get people to buy in and enroll into your journey if they don't quite understand it. Yeah. Well, and if I I love that, I love that you're helping people with that because it's been so rewarding for me to pick places and commit and serve there. And then when that graduation occurs or that evolution occurs, they shift, I shift, we both shift, whatever. uh, Then as we move on, sometimes that work is a part of the whole and it makes sense. Sometimes if I'm going to confuse people, it's been easier to to go on. Now, where I haven't done this, you, you know, is the books. Like my first two books, sometimes people order those instead of the other ones. They're like, wait, this is like not what I thought. And, and it can lead to an interesting conversation. But that confusion factor, I felt like on, you know, uh, finding these 360-something blog posts, whatever it was, would have yeah. would not been good. Um, <laughs> what right now do you feel like for yourself that you're just learning to really enjoy about who you are? Another way to ask this would be like, what do you like about yourself the most? And uh, I just think this is a fun way for us to 
relax with enjoying who we are. Yeah. Well, it started from a place of not enjoying it, I think. Um, there's a short answer and there's a slightly longer answer. I'll give you a slightly, a slightly longer answer. Oh, good. <laughs> longer ones are juicy. Um, I, you know, in, in approaching a new project on YouTube, I started digging more into people who are doing YouTube really well. And I thought, why not go straight to the top? Let me, let me study, uh, Jimmy Donaldson, AKA Mr. Beast, who has like <laughs> the biggest YouTube channel on the planet, almost a hundred million subscribers. And I just started listening to interviews with him. He was on, uh, Colin and Samir a little over a year ago. And it was a really long episode. He had an episode with uh, Joe Rogan a few months ago, actually. So there's like hours. There, <laughs> there are multiple shows with hours-long interviews with him. And this guy, I think, is 25 right now. Um, and he just bought like this giant parcel of land and this like campus, essentially, in his hometown of, uh, I think, South Carolina, where he's doing his studio to record his videos. He hired his mom. She like runs the business side of his business. But listen to him talk. And this guy is just absolutely obsessed with YouTube. And he goes to like the nth degree possible to be the biggest YouTuber on the planet. That's his goal. And he surrounds himself with other incredibly successful YouTubers. And they have a very tight feedback loop on anything they publish. They share with that group. And then that group ruthlessly rips it apart. And then he iterates and moves on to it. So he just mathematically has an advantage of getting better and better at YouTube because he's spent more time on it. He's getting more high quality feedback at a higher velocity and he's implementing it. And what I realized in all this research is there's just a level of ambition that I actually don't have. You know, I've, I've always kind of imagined myself as somebody who is capable of being at the top of the mountain on any given thing that I do. But the more I study those people, I realize they're making trade-offs that I'm just not willing to make at this point. You know, like I'm not going to travel as much as a lot of these people do. I'm going to do the best that I can while spending most of my time in my home, in my city, uh, with my wife, with my dog, and eventually my kids. And I've had to reconcile a little bit what that means for my ambition, for, for the business and the work that I do. And I think that's a positive realistic thing. I don't mean that to be like needlessly limiting, but I want to be kind of practical. And as I've had those realizations, I've also stopped uh, shaming myself for doing mm. things I really enjoy, like watching hours of The Walking Dead in the evening because yeah. I love narrative and story and I enjoy it. And doing things I enjoy that aren't quote unquote productive are okay. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's like, well, you know, I'm going to do the best I can. And I'm enjoying right now getting up earlier. So I have a couple more hours of really clear headed, good time in the morning. But I look forward to five, six o'clock when I can basically stop working and do really easy, mindless things. <laughs> yeah, dude. Okay. So I'm going to tell you something I don't think I've ever said on a podcast or out loud. I'm just trying to remember, but I don't think I have. Um, I would say the happiest, most fulfilled, balanced, and massively successful CEO founders I've coached, you'll never know their name. They're not on social media. They don't want to be. 
They take a day a week and they have some business they bought that is their hobby too. They, they have their other businesses, but they just bought their hobby as mm -hmm. a business so they could go do it tax-free. Um, and they do that a day a week and they, you know, they, they've made and built a life that has this fullness and richness to it that they really, really enjoy. And they're still some of the most savagely brilliant people <laughs> in their execution, their discipline, their thinking, their leverage abilities mentally. Um, and so I think we glorify this person who just bangs their head against the wall with effort. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm on the other side of that now. My second kid will go to college in the fall um, and third will be just a couple years away. And dude, I do not regret you know, the ways that I've gone all in on my mission and, and, and given it my passion, but also these boundaries you're talking about. That's yeah, totally. I, it it kind of just relates to what I was saying earlier about I'm trying to find better alignment for the actual realistic, still ambitious, but realistic sure. life that I aspire to yeah. and the models that I'm following because it's if you just model after somebody who's making trade-offs that you're not willing to make and and living a lifestyle that you're not willing to live, you're not going to be able to get the same results. It just doesn't really make sense. Um, of course, there are probably you know outliers and exceptions to this, but on the whole, I I think that misalignment is what causes a lot of unhappiness in people because they try to compare results to results without comparing inputs to inputs and yeah. that's not fair to yourself. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I think, you know, we, we could pause the recording and talk about our biggest ambitions, where we'd want to be 40 years and the next two years. And I believe a lot of people listening to it would be like, that's crazy. I, I would hope to dream something that big for myself. Um, and we would encourage them to dream that. But the way I like to think about it is like, I, I don't feel like I've touched 5% of what I could touch in potential mm. impact in my mission. I watched Dave Chappelle, his Duke Ellington award show last night. Did you see that or no. yesterday? It's on Netflix now. Incredible. Masterful wizard. I'm watching him going, I haven't touched 5% of my potential. I'm inspired by that, right? But I don't want to compromise certain values to get there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm hearing that in you. That's inspiring. What what right now do you feel like? And and this may be hard to nail down and define. And no worries if there. But as you think about like these future dreams, these big questions, because I wanted to come back to this that you said you were wrestling with, like not being on Twitter, how permanent when I'm gone, what's the legacy? You know, as you're kind of like wrestling with some of this big stuff, and at another frontier, you're expanding into. What does it look like for insecurity to show up for where you are now? Where would there be that that self-doubt or uncertainty? I mean, the 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 critic that I always hear in my head is just constantly asking, like, is this any good? <laughs> <laughs> Anything I make is just like, but is this even any good? Um, <laughs> and my, my standards keep going up and up and... Um, the answer like most frequently is no, it's not got to do better. And that feels like, uh, also a never ending goalpost. But, uh, when I, when I have the answer of no, it's not got to do better, got to do something different. 
I often feel this resistance. And so I ask myself, is this resistance like me being a petulant child with myself or is this resistance indicative of I'm not actually in alignment for where my interests are and what I'm doing here? You know, am I trying to convince myself that the thing I should be doing or the way I should be doing it is this and I'm resistant to that because it doesn't sound interesting to me. And I have a really hard time disentangling those two things a lot of times. Um, Because, you know, as I start to do this longer-term thinking, it can resemble a puzzle, uh, and that can be a positive thing. It can also be a negative thing, because I can find solutions to a puzzle that make logical sense, but don't necessarily make aspirational sense, I guess. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, okay, this this would work, this could work. I could see how that would all align and, uh, you know, happen, work, go according to plan. But if the actual journey of that is not exciting to me, then it's not really going to work. Um, and I find myself in that space a little bit lately. Mm, thank you. I appreciate the vulnerability. I think that's such an honest way that expresses it that I think can help people put words to, you know, is this something that uh, I, I'm it's the marriage for me of contentment and ambition. You know, I always want to get better. I read the stuff I wrote a year ago and I'm like, yuck. <laughs> uh, it's the Ira Glass thing, right? How your taste gets better. Yeah. Um, but then also too, where, where am I tricking myself? Is this something I really want to be doing uh, six months, two years, five years from now? And, uh, I've tricked myself before. Yeah. So I could do it again. I, I was just listening to an audiobook and they quoted uh, something by Peter Thiel. And I'm not a big Peter Thiel fan, but it made me think longer term. He, he basically said, a lot of people are chasing growth and they're avoiding the most essential question, which is, will this thing exist in 10 years? And if the answer mm. is no, then it's probably not worth it to do that right now even if you can achieve quote unquote growth, um, because if it's gone in 10 years, then, and you're focused on a long-term view, that's not really meaningful effort. And of course there's all kinds of things you can take away from experiences like that. But it it made me, you know, made me think, yeah, sometimes we get so caught up in the day-to-day hustle in the weeds that we forget to ask, like, is this even adding up to something that matters to me, to other people? Um, that's a really essential question to ask. Yeah. I would not want to take somebody out of the internal conflict that question elicits on the front <laughs> end, at least. I don't have to leave them in despair for a long time. Yes. But that, you know, and, and there are thinkers like that. Yeah. Me too with Peter Till. I only track with injecting yak blood into my veins. I do that. <laughs> learn from him. No. Uh, I, I get what you're saying. But he does ask some provoking questions that – Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm challenged by also, and I think we live in a world, you know, a lot of the interviews I'm doing for this series on the podcast aren't necessarily people that are like sharing such a similar world like me and you in this creator space. And I think we live in a world where you can trick yourself with the the motion of it, um, thinking, yeah, it's it's actually heading somewhere. What do you think right now is an encouraging message? that people have that, have that have listened to this and they're like, I wonder if there's a potential for creating in me. I think you've got such a powerful, strong voice in this world. What's, what do you think something 
that they could hear from you that would just be encouraging to to take a step, a first step, go deeper, wherever you want to take it? I think creativity is one of the, if not the most human thing that we can experience and put out into the world, you know? Um, and I think we all have it. And if it's not shining brightly in you right now, I think it can be cultivated to shine very brightly. Um, I still have imposter syndrome around it. You know, the, the lie that we discovered working together that I flipped on its head, as you said, was I thought that I was not a creative person and I thought I was not valuable because I didn't have my own ideas. I could, uh, execute on other people's ideas, but I don't have my own. And that made me less valuable because of it. I think that's a lie for everybody. You know, we all have ideas. It's a, it's a cultivation of awareness of the things around you and, uh, permission to ask questions, ask, why is it this way? What if it was another way? You know, it's just flexing the muscle that is your imagination that we all had as kids that I think is all very much there. And if you're not a visual artist, that's okay. Neither am I. And you know what? I've been able to hire visual artists to make visual representations of my ideas. And it's been so fun. Collaboration Mm -hmm. is also a creative act. And Mm -hmm. some people can make your ideas come to life visually in ways that you couldn't have imagined. And that's very, very fun. Very, very cool. And ultimately was still your creative process to get there. So uh, take a small step, make something, write something, paint something if you want to, uh, record something, um, sing something, (laughs) anything you want to do. These These are all small steps that you can take. Yeah, that's awesome. It's so much easier to keep the momentum once you get in motion and it's small baby steps that lead up to that. Now I want to go to the other side of it. And this would be you putting on the, the pro part of the hat of what you do and knowing that, well, here's the theory I have. And I want to see how it applies to the creative world and that, that we can speak to people and encourage them and how to make peace with this. I think a lot of things in success in life, it's like this double-edged knife. So there's way more potential than people realize. For people that are listening to this going, hey, Chris and Jay are having an impact. There's not enough. The pie, you know, it's like uh, on the Truman Show where the teacher pulls down the map and he's like, I want to be an explorer. She's like, we already found it all because <laughs> they wanted to keep him there, right? Um, you know, most people I've come across that have a little bit of social intelligence and you know, any kind of awareness that they could build on, they probably have about 100K at least in their network just in putting together something they can do. Um, And that doesn't feel crazy to me. Okay, so that's one side of the knife. Does that part make sense before I get to the dark side of this? Okay. On the dark side of this, I think every industry lifts up the, the big winners and goes, you can have this too. Hmm. And that I don't think is true. No. Right. Yeah. I, I think that we, it's almost like it's a, it's, it's like porn. It's like you, most of you aren't going to have this. Um, how would you speak to that in the creator economy? Cause on Twitter, it's like, here's a thread. I, I, I did these three things. I made all this money. You can too. If you do these three things. Yeah, I completely agree with that assessment. Um, I think there are way too many people who are trying to sell you on a dream without providing implementation or realistic goalposts because Mm -hmm. even the people who have outsized success that are often held up 
they didn't imagine they would achieve that. Hmm. Um, and that wasn't what they were originally shooting for. It's, you know, they were optimizing for uh, a point much earlier on in their trajectory, probably, which they achieved and then uh, surpassed. And that has a lot of factors to it that are sometimes out of your control. Luck, uh, relationships, macroeconomic opportunity, like there are all kinds of things that make the outsized winners outsized. And they're outsized because not everybody can be that. So, you know, I, I, th- I don't have a lot of interest in trying to convince people what they should do. Mm-hmm. What I do have interest in is nudging them and supporting them and encouraging them when they have an inkling of what they should do and say, let's do it. Let's, let's get your way there. But, um, you know, in the creator economy, there's this growing idea of like the creator middle class and in the current creator economy to be creator middle class, that's making like $30,000 per year, uh, because there aren't a lot of people that are making a living, uh, livable amount of money as creators. The ones that are are very visible and they fill your feed. So it feels like there's a lot of opportunity there, but there's really not that many of them. However, as you said, Chris, there is plenty of opportunity to get to a point where you're, uh, earning more and surpassing what you might be earning at a job because you have uncapped potential and, uh, most salaries, you know, aren't as high as somebody who's running their own business can, can earn. Mm -hmm. And there are so many examples. I come across people every day that I've never heard of that are making very good money, having a great living, doing it on their terms. And they don't have to be, you know, the Mr. Beasts and they might not want to be the Mr. Beasts, but there's plenty of opportunity in your immediate network and even the concentric circle just outside of that to build a really, really great living doing the things that you really love to do. Oh man, I, I love I love the way that you frame that. It's like I'm not trying to tell people this outsized result can be yours and you're selling them into that. It's this vision of, you know, you want to do this, I can help you, and there's a lot of opportunity there. Um that that's inspiring to me. I know that's your heart. I think that's what you emulate best with your creative companion club. Uh it was so exciting to watch you launch that and to see the way that people have resonated with it. You want to talk a little bit about what that is in case people are interested and, and maybe anywhere else you would like them to go to learn more about you or connect with you. Yeah. Uh, easiest place to find me is just searching Jay Klaus in Google. I'm Jay Klaus on all social media. My website's there, whatever you're trying to find, uh, easy to navigate from there. Uh, the creative companion club is a membership that I launched this year to help creators who want to turn pro to use Steve Pressfield's language. The idea that these people are already creating actively. Uh, they already know what their message is or have a pretty good idea of what their message is. They're probably generating some revenue, but not necessarily enough to uh, support them financially as a professional. And to be supported as a professional, you typically have to treat the business as a professional would treat whatever their craft is. And so in the membership, it's a you know a long-term relationship with me and the other people there because... There's not a switch that I can flip and get you there. There's not a pre-recorded course that I can give you and, and have you get there. There's a lot of iteration, uh, a lot of mini projects, and uh, honestly, like the, the landscape changes all the time. So even if you do get there, you still have to continue to adapt with the times. 
And the membership is a place for creators who are in that boat, who are really focused on getting that place of being a professional creator. And it's been incredible. Um, we're probably going to cross a hundred members this week, um, which is great. It's a, it's not a cheap, uh, uh, program or experience because it's a year long and I put a lot of my time into it. Mm-hmm. So, um, to have a hundred people trust me to come along on that journey, it's just amazing. Dude, uh, celebrating the way that you've kept leaning in the way that however you've done it behind the scenes to be non-reactive to this urgency and despair that we can feel <laughs> as entrepreneurs and creators and to really say, okay, this is the path. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to stay on. It's uh, an inspiration for us. And so wherever people find themselves as they listen to this, my hope would be that you take encouragement from Jay's story and you just take that next step. Uh, we know we live in a world right now where people are just overwhelmed to the hilt. They got so much distracting them uh, and and causing them to want to numb out and really find meaningful work. And I know for creators, you've already encouraged them, hey, find something, create something. Uh, any other encouraging uh, messages before we say peace out? On some, some level, you know what you are drawn to, even if you think that you don't. Even if you think you don't know what your calling is or what your passion is, you probably have a social media account on some website where you've chosen to follow along the journeys of some number of people. And you probably get excited about seeing the content of a small handful of them. I would try to tune in to what it is that you're looking at that you're really excited about when you're on your phone and you're looking at your feed of people who are likely not your close friends and see what that says about you. Do you aspire to that person's life? Do you aspire to that person's uh, persona or their personality or the way they approach problems? Try to tune into that because it's likely what you're being drawn to is a version of yourself that is a little bit dormant that you want to um, bring forward. And I think you Mm. can do that. Mm. I love it. That's inspiring, man. It also explains why when my kids were we're getting into the college phase. I started following a ton of tiny home accounts, just mm. trying to reduce expenses. No. <laughs> That's awesome. Find that signal out there. I love the lighthouse analogy that you used. Find that lighthouse, go towards it, people. And, uh, you know, you'll be inspirational to me and Jay because we, we need it too. We're living out our truth. Thanks for being here, buddy, so much and uh, being on the show with me. For sure. Thanks for everything you've done to help me get here. My privilege. Thanks so much for being here. You know that self-leadership is difficult. And as you listened, if you found within yourself a desire for more awareness for yourself, your team, or your culture, or the people that you would guide as a coach. You can find more at SightShift.com, S-I-G-H-T-Shift.com to take the next step.